scared, um, sit back, relax, and fill your brain with great information. Before he goes on, um, Ms. Teresa, our wonderful co-host here, will present his bio. Awesome. Again, uh, before I read that bio, um, thanks Ms. Uh, Beth and Dane Swinson from Hall County Foster Parents for joining us. Looks like we have Ms. Eliza Hall from a friend's house. Um, Ms. Steph, and also we have um, Titania Watkins from Twin Cedars, Gibb County. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Also, Baker County in the house. Miss um, Lovelette White, Henry County Foster Parent. And we have Arnett and William Green from Gwinnett County. Thank you guys so much for joining us this evening. Um, my name is Teresa Bradley. I'm one of the trainers on the training and education team with America's Georgia Family 360. I want to talk to you a little bit about Dr. David Wright. Um, Dr. David achieved his MD, Doctorate of Medicine, in July of 2010, graduating summa cum laude with a 4.0 from Xavier University School of Medicine. Dr. David's primary emphasis in medical school were forensic psychiatry, addiction psychiatry, or addiction medicine, and neurology. While attending medical school, Dr. David concurrently completed three master's degrees back-to-back, an MBA, finishing that off with a 3.85 GPA, <laughs> an MM, and an MHSA, all of those way above a 3.85. After completing his MD and all three master's degrees, Dr. David continued his educational pursuits by completing a certificate in strategic management in 2012, a certificate in human resource management in 2013, and a certificate in corporate marketing in 2015. Simultaneously in 2012, Dr. David completed every research training program offered to physicians by the National Institute of Health, including the Good, Good Clinical Practices, also known as the GCP, the Protection of Human Research Participants, known as the PHRP, and a CRT, which is Clinical Research Training Certification. After graduating from medical school, um, he became a forensic psychiatrist consultant for one of the largest psychiatric practices in Atlanta, PACT Atlanta LLC. And instead of pursuing a residency in psychiatry, Dr. David chose to study and train in disciplines that were more in line with the techniques used by the father and uncle of psychiatry, Dr. Sigmund Freud, who is known as the father of psychiatry, and Dr. Milton Erickson, who is known as the uncle of psychiatry, respectively. Specifically, Dr. David chose an approach to health and holistic mental health in which the first step doesn't involve just handing a patient a pill. In 2016, Dr. David completed his formal training in holistic disciplines and opened his first practice, MLC of Greater Atlanta. It's located in Decatur, Georgia, across the street from Emory DeKalb Medical Center. In 2019, he created and opened a second practice, Atlanta Coaching and Hypnotherapy Associates. It's a life coaching, self-improvement, and self-improvement being recorded. Dr. David's published self-improvement books include Sweet Potato Pie for the Spirit, Soul and Psyche, and Tomato Bisque for the Brain, another tribute to Oprah Winfrey and Super Soul Sunday. 
In 2021, Dr. David published his first diet, nutrition, health, wellness, weight loss, chronic disease management, and lifestyle management book. That title is The Nutrient Diet. In 2021, Dr. David created three additional practices, Atlanta Health and Wellness Coaching, Atlanta Small Business Incubator, and Atlanta Academic Achievement. In 2022, Dr. David created three free Facebook groups focused on mental health and wellness, self-improvement, and self-empowerment. Fresh Start with Dr. David is a private group. New Balance with Dr. David is also a private group, and his public group is entitled Grow, G-R-O-W. In 2022, Dr. David launched the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. It is a free general health, mental health, self-improvement, and life coaching public podcast available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Alexa, Audible, and all other major podcast platforms. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please welcome Dr. David. Oh my God, thank you so much for that uh, that very gracious introduction, Teresa. You're welcome. Thank you so much. That was very kind. And, um, you know, I also want to thank... I want to thank Patrick again for inviting me to do this. Um, I'd like to think that we're conduits for energy. And so by reaching out to me and me doing this, we're all sharing energy. And I think in this crazy world that we live in right now with, you know, viral pandemics and inflation and price gouging and rising interest rates and driving in the city of Atlanta and community, just everything, we all need sources of positive energy, right? And at the end of the day, that's all I am. You could take away, you could strip away all the titles, the education, all that stuff. I think when I was born into this world, I kind of sensed that I was going to be a conduit for energy and growth and transformation for for myself and for other people. And that's what I continue to be, hopefully. So um, I want to thank you guys, uh, you know, Patrick and and Teresa, Andrea, Molly, Marcus, April, uh, Andrea, all the all you guys for for making this happen. And I want to thank everybody who showed up for today because there's a lot of things you could be doing. You could be watching Netflix and getting that fix in, which I'm going to talk about during this during this podcast. Um, but I just want to thank everybody for being here. You could be doing a lot uh, other things. So um, I am just here going to silence all my little devices and stuff here and silence my phones because people tend to call after hours wanting an appointment and things like that. So I just silence everything and, um, you know, feel free to grab coffee or popcorn or, or snack or whatever you need to get. So I'm here uh, today to give you some information and, and more than, you know, just uh, holistic and integrative functional uh, mental health practices and things like that. I, I want to give people things that they can use to grow and heal right from the inside out. And to me, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, we still live in an age, even though it's it's more acceptable these days compared to the past to em- embrace mental health and wellness. There's still a stigma attached. And that's one of the reasons why I have more than one practice to kind of take the stigma away and to say, you know what? Maybe maybe you don't want to say I'm coming to see somebody for mental health. Maybe you want to say I'm coming to see somebody for life coaching. And so you can do that. So that's the whole, you know, 
that's part of my mission is to help destigmatize mental health. So without that, uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get started today. So welcome everybody. Have a seat, relax, and um, and let's learn some things and share some things, and and hopefully I'll learn some things too today through your questions and comments. Okay, which you feel you know feel free to do that. I would also recommend if you if you do if you want to. Take notes. I mean, you know, at, at least that way you'll take away some good nuggets from today's session. So get out a sheet of paper, get out a pad, take some notes, and just also keep in mind as we go through the pod, uh, through this uh, presentation that some of these things, some of these topics I've already done a podcast on, which goes into greater depth, and it'll say podcast episode out beside it on the slide. So all you have to do is after this is over, go to the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast anywhere and you'll see the list of episodes, and you can pull up an episode on that topic, whether it's boundaries or self-care and self-love or relationships. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's move to the to the first slide, to the next slide. Okay, so let's look at this slide. So the whole purpose of this podcast today, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, this uh, presentation today it's entitled Holistic Practical Cognitive Behavioral Solution-Centered Approaches to Health, Wellness, and Mental Health and Wellness. And, you know, some of the things that I want to promote are an approach to health, wellness, and mental health in which we don't just throw a pill at somebody because a pill is only going to solve so much. Uh, and I'll go into specific reasons why you don't just want to appeal only approach. We also, I also want to promote holistic, practical, solution-centered, resolution-focused approaches to life challenges. I want to promote principles of do no harm and do good. Um, and let me just kind of go into the wording a little bit. Holistic just means a, 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 an approach that takes in the whole person, right? Mind, body, spirit, soul, psyche, which is part of the title of one of my self-improvement books. But you want a holistic approach that takes into account every facet of you and where you are in life. You also want a practical approach. If a, a if an approach is too idealistic, it's going to be difficult for you to institute. So if it, the more practical it is and the easier it is, the more likely it is that you're going to keep continue to do it in the future. You also want a solution-centered uh, approach, right? You don't want to just point out problems, dilemmas, and challenges, but you also want to find solutions. Uh, and then you want a resolution-focused approach to life challenges. And what that means as compared to solution-centered approach is that a solution is an answer to a problem, but a resolution is where you actually start to heal from the solution, right? So that's the additional thing that a resolution adds versus just a solution, right? Um, and like I said, a lot of these topics that we're going to go through today, there's a podcast episode uh, on my podcast. Next slide, please. Okay, so let's just kind of go through uh, just so you have a sense of the structure of today's podcast. So uh, I'm not really going to spend that much time talking about me and my practices and, and things like that because uh, the host, one of the hosts has already done that. Um, thank you, Teresa. But, um, you know, I will mention a couple of things. Um, so first, I'll start off with a little bit about me, um, my humble beginnings, that kind of thing. And then the next thing I'll talk about is general health and wellness principles. Those are things that everybody can do on a daily basis, uh, on a yearly basis, on an annual basis to ensure that they have good health and wellness. Then I'll go to mental health and wellness. Next slide, please. And then 
I'll talk about parenting style strategies and characteristics. I think this will be helpful for a lot of people, especially for foster parents and people with families and things like that. Even if you've been a parent to several children, there's always something that you can take in and try, you know, and see if it works and those kind of things. Uh, the next thing, I'll talk about family dynamics and cohesion strategies. You want cohesion with inside of a family and you want communication. And then I'll also talk about relationships, which require boundaries. And then building stability and cohesiveness within your relationships. Next slide, please. Okay. And uh, then I'll talk about general life growth improvement and success principles. And like I said, there's still some stigma associated with mental health and wellness, right? Or with mental illness, more specifically. And so that's one of the reasons why I promote life coaching, because that way somebody can say that, hey, I came to Dr. David for life coaching or for business coaching or health and wellness coaching, right? Uh, and at the end of the day, it's nobody bus nobody's business but yours, whether you why you're seeking help or why you come to me. But a lot of people feel more comfortable with that. And that's one of the reasons why I started um, my second practice in 2019, uh, Atlanta Coaching and Hypnotherapy Associates, that way somebody can say, you know what, I see a life coach. And, you know, to that, to that matter, I use a lot of the same principles that I use with mental health and wellness that I use with self-improvement and people with life coaching, right? They're the same core concepts, just applied slightly differently, right? Then we'll have a question and answer section, and then we'll wrap up and close, Right. Okay, so that's kind of the order of things. Next slide, pre, please. Okay, so um, since Teresa's already told you quite a bit about me, um, you know, this is just a slide that shows you a, kind of a little bit um, about what I'll talk about in terms of myself. Next slide, please. <clears throat> and like I said, I'm going to skip some things on that. But I'll just tell you a little bit about things. Uh, when I was in college, I was pre-med and pre-law. I had an interest in kind of ethics and, and the law, but I also had a an interest in psychiatry and medicine, and that's kind of the approach. Uh, I was born in Chicago, grew up there, uh, and then my family moved to Arkansas. I grew up in Arkansas, very different, uh, <clears throat> but I learned a lot from, from both environments. I've kind of lived a little bit of everywhere. Um, I do have several practices, whether you're, you need help with uh, you know, academic achievement or coaching or ADD strategies or business development, health and wellness, diet, nutrition, um, <clears throat> life coaching, self-improvement, hypnosis, if that's something you want to try, and then also uh, mental health issues and stuff like that. I would encourage everybody here to join my podcast. It's free. It's called Fresh Start with Dr. David, and it's just a free source of empowerment. I usually do a few episodes every week. Uh, I try to do two or three episodes every week. Sometimes I miss the mark, but it's a good source of information. I also have a few Facebook groups, um, um, and like I said, or like Teresa mentioned earlier, the, the Grow group is public. They're all free, but the Grow is public. I've got several uh, self-improvement books that she mentioned. And then I've done speaking engagements for a lot of different organizations. So I used to be um, a member and uh, a member of the board of the Atlanta Medical Associations. I've sat on a lot of panels for them. I've done health symposium. I did a health symposium. Uh, on men <clears throat> and depression. I did a health uh, symposium uh, not too long ago on COVID-19. And I, uh, I was one of the keynote speakers for the URNF Empowerment Conference. And I've also spoken to churches, including one of the oldest African-American churches in the nation, which is located in uh, Savannah, Georgia. I did their men's uh, speaking event one, last, one year. So at the end of the day, <clears throat> 
you know, I do life coaching, I do wellness coaching, I do mentoring. But at the end of the day, I'd like to think that healing is a part of my purpose and my, my passion. So at the end of the day, regardless of how you label anything, whether it's self-improvement or mental health and wellness or whatever, my my really, uh, you know, core purpose is to help people heal, right? Next slide, please. Right. So, um, so the first thing that I'm going to talk about today is general health and wellness principles, and this is just kind of an outline of some of the things I'm going to talk about. How to present for a, for an appointment. Uh, that's really really important. Thoughts or thinking versus feeling and emotion. General health and wellness building blocks and foundational principles. Learning to trust your body. Regular health complete physical examinations, which that's what CPE stands for. Um, <clears throat> complete physical examination and follow-up appointments, chronic medical conditions, including those associated with learning disabilities, and then the last thing, ask for help. And you'll see ask for help on multiple of these slides. And the reason why it's there over and over is to remind people that there's no shame associated with asking for help. And people tend to do better when they're willing to ask and accept help, right? Which are two different things, right? Ask for help and then accept it but you've got to start uh, by asking it, right? Okay, next slide, please. Great, okay. So let's look at this slide. Um, um, okay, so there's a way to present for an appointment, right? And now, and the reason why I'm saying this is because you're gonna have better outcomes from your visits with your with your provider, with your your the physician that you see, uh, your family care physician, your family practice physician, family medicine, uh, or any specialist if you do this, right? So I'm just going to go through these. So number one, don't fake it. Uh, <clears throat> if you're ill or you're in poor health or you're experiencing uh, some symptoms, don't fake it. Be honest. Be authentic. It helps if you write it down. So before you show up at the doctor's office, Write down, because here's the thing. When you go to your doctor's appointment, chances are they're going to be rushing to see as many people as they can, <clears throat> not to get behind. And you want to get everything out in a concise way to the provider so they can provide you with the best care. The care that they provide you is going to be based on the information you provide and then whatever they get from your lab results and tests and, and the examination. So write it down ahead of time. That way you don't have to remember it. And you can see there, there's the words podcast episode. I did a whole hour podcast about that, about the healthcare system, about wellness, uh, and about how to approach uh, symptoms and illnesses and things like that, and how to present in, in healthcare. So definitely check that out. But, you know, two of the key points, don't be overly dramatic, right? Don't act. Don't look at your doctor's visit as an audition for, uh, you know, a, 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 a show, but also don't be stoic or strong or try to hide, right? You want to be authentically who you are, right? And if you're experiencing symptoms, you want that to be known. Um, you don't want to downplay them, but you don't want to overplay them as well. You want the person you're presenting to to have an accurate, clear, concise picture of who you are and what you're dealing with. So they can give you the right solution or help you. And they've got to do that based off what you provide. Other than that, they don't know you, right? So you want to do that. You want to be authentic and honest, right? Thinking versus feeling versus emotion. 
this is just a basic concept. A lot of people use these things interchangeably, but thinking is just the flow of thoughts through your mind, right? When you have a thought about something, I'd like this or I don't like that or whatever. A feeling is different. A feeling is something that you sense, right? So that involves the a sensation, right? A sensing of something. Like if you sense impending doom or you you sense danger, or you're in a situation where you feel anxiety and things like that. That's a feeling, right? But how you express it is a different thing, and that's where it becomes an emotion, right? So just so you can understand the difference between thoughts and feelings and emotions, emotion is what you convey to other people of what you feel inside, right? And usually you use your facial expressions to show that. You might use your body language. People can kind of get a sense if you're more relaxed or if you're uptight or if you're worried or if you're happy, things like that from how you express your facial expressions, right? The other part of that is this. If you get certain feedback from people that is unexpected or is not what you wanted, it could be a reflection back to you of what's going on with you, right? So it's kind of a, a check and balance, too. You get a sense from the feedback from other people, you know, what they kind of sense from you and back and forth, right? And that's how we communicate. Uh, health and wellness, that's something I talk extensively about in my book, The Nutrient Diet. But the basis of all health and wellness and mental activity and physical activity is your diet, right? So you've got to be accountable for your diet, right? You've got to take in water. The first chapter of my book is water. Uh, you've got to take in a certain amount of water. A lot of people are walking around dehydrated and they have no clue about it. They're tired. They think they might be depressed, which they could be. But a lot of times people are just dehydrated, right? Um, and depending on the foods that you intake, it, it, it's probably more often the case than not that you are dehydrated. Not to mention if you're like somebody like me who has, has hypertension or high blood pressure and you take blood pressure medications. If you take hydrochlorothiazide or something that works at the level of the kidneys, it's going to zap water from your system to lower your blood pressure, right? Well, that's going to dehydrate the other parts of you. So make sure that you stay well hydrated. Drink water. Have a water. If you get my book, The Nutrient Diet, you'll see I talk about developing a water regimen, right? You've got to have a water habit that you use. And you want to take a daily multivitamin, right? Um, that's really, really important. If you're going to have good health and wellness habits, the key is planning. You've got to plan it ahead. So like, for instance, if I'm going to, if my plan is to have eat healthily today, I've planned that the day before or the week before or during the weekend. Right. And I pack a salad, I pack a sandwich that's healthy or something like that. But I do it ahead of time. If you default back to a last minute or on the spot decision, you're probably going to default to a bad habit system. Right. Old habits that you've done before. And the reason why is because you've got neural networks in your brain that are operating off of what you've done. And that's the path of least resistance. It takes more energy to create a new habit than it is to fall back on an old habit. That's just a general principle. Next, trust your body, your instincts, and your intuitions, right? Uh, I did a recent podcast episode on this. Um, it got a lot of views. But basically, your body, your relationship with your body is your oldest relationship that you have, right? And so you've got to learn to trust your body and pay attention to it and listen to it, right? If you've got a stomach ache or you've got headaches and you've got headaches for all week long, you need to have that checked out. That's a sign. So a headache, you know, things that people can buy over-the-counter medications for. You can buy ibuprofen or you could buy Aleve or you could buy Excedrin or things like that. Those are okay for, you know, every once in a while or whatever. But if you're having chronic headaches, you need to schedule an appointment for that 
And if it's a really, really bad headache, you need to just go to the ER, right? Or go to the hospital. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not a good sign. So listen to your body and pay attention to it. Uh, because your body is giving you symptoms to let you know that something is wrong. And that's really what a symptom is. A symptom is your body's way of conveying to you that something's wrong, whether it's a headache or a stomach ache or whatever. And it's up to you to listen to it. If you choose to ignore it, you're going to pay a price later on, right? And the same goes with your instincts and your intuitions. Your instincts or intuitions are based off your, your experience with situations, circumstances, other people. And so you've, you've got to make sure that you listen to, pay attention, and act on that, right? Um, the next thing, regular health clinical physical exams and follow-up appointments. The most important thing there is that you communicate with your provider, right? So if you are if you go in for an appointment and your doctor, uh, uh, you know, says, you know, you've got high blood pressure, I want you to take this medication, you know, make sure that you're taking the medication, right? And if you have a side effect, you know, like for instance, if you get put on a blood pressure medication and you're going to bathroom too much at night or you, you're feel, you feel too dehydrated, let your doctor know about it. Con convey that to them. Communicate with them because they're not going to know that. And then they can make some changes. But it's a lot better for you to go to your provider, your, your, your family medicine physician, your internist or whoever, and tell them, hey, this medication might be too strong for me. I'm going to the bathroom too much. I feel zapped and dehydrated. And for them to change it to something that you can tolerate rather than you not taking it at all, right? Because, you know, obviously, whether it's you or whether it's me, if you, you know, don't take your blood pressure medication, the worst thing that can happen is a heart attack or a stroke, and you don't want that. So it's better to kind of be proactive about that. So definitely be compliant with your treatment. And if there's some side effect that pops up, talk to your doctor about it. Communicate with them, right? Um, chronic medical conditions. That's where, you know, diet is really, really, really important. So diet is every single function in your body, every physiological process, every biochemical process, um, um, every metabolic process starts with your diet. So junk in, junk out. So if you put junk in, don't be surprised that you feel not so well, right? You've got to do things. You've got to put in the right ingredients, right? And that includes things like fresh vegetables and low-fat foods and drinking lots of water and limiting carbs and limiting fats and things like that, right? And the last thing, which is on almost every slide here, is a reiteration of the concept that if you need help, ask for help. There's no shame associated with asking for help, whether it's you or me or anybody else, right? Ask for help. And if you can, choose a long-term solid solution instead or in lieu of a short-sighted Band-Aid, right? Um, because you're going to be happier in the process and it's going to last a lot longer. Okay, next slide. Please. Okay, so... So let's move on a little bit and talk a little bit about mental health and wellness, right? Versus illness. And one of the things you'll notice here is just kind of a clue that wellness is the opposite of illness, right? So illness, illness is the opposite or the absence of wellness and wellness is the absence of illness, right? So let's see, what is good or what do good mental health and wellness look like, right? How do you present for appointments in mental health? Uh, what about things like anxiety or panic symptoms or PTSD, things that people commonly present with today? Uh, what about depression and sadness? What about trauma? What about ADD? Um, what about learning disabilities in school and socialization? Uh, regular programming and then asking for help. These are some of the things that we're going to talk about right now. Next slide, please.
Okay, so let's go, let's dive into these a little bit. Uh, and if you have any questions or anything, make sure you're like writing those down or conveying those or things like that, and then we'll go through them uh, later on. Right. So what do good mental health and wellness look like? You know, what's the norm? What's the normal? What's what's stable? Uh, and that keeps changing because the technology we use keeps changing and the world that we live in keeps changing. Right. Uh, stability is really, really, really important. Uh, and it takes a lot to build stability. It, it takes practicing some good habits over and over and having a, a good foundation. Right. But what good mental health and wellness is. Uh, what it looks like changes and it's societal, um, you know, it's cultural. What it looks like in one place looks like something different somewhere else. But at the same, but at the end of the day, you want to at least have a minimum level and we call that stability. You want to at least be stable, right? The goal is to thrive and flourish and to perform well and to be successful, but you want to at least be stable, especially during the tough times. So how do you present for appointments in, in mental health, right? Whether it's to a psychiatrist or a therapist or a psychologist or a life coach, uh, or whatever. The same thing is is with uh, general health and wellness. Don't fake it, right? Don't fake it. Don't downplay it, and don't upplay it either, right? Be authentic and honest. And you know, if you feel like breaking down in front of the person who's there or crying it out or whatever, that's okay, right? But don't make it a show. But at the same time, don't be so strong and stoic that you're not willing to be vulnerable because vulnerable, but because your vulnerability is going to help you. Your ability to be vulnerable to a healthcare, um, a mental health provider is going to benefit you, right? So it's going to cost you a little bit in terms of being open and honest and authentic with somebody, somebody that you just met, but it's going to help you in terms of their ability to get a sense of what's going on with you and provide you with some solutions, right? So you want to present honestly and authentically. Anxiety, panic, and PTSD symptoms, usually those are associated with trauma. So usually when somebody presents with anxiety, it's because of something that traumatic that happened in the past, right? Uh, PTSD is typically associated with veterans, but a lot of times, uh, a lot of life circumstances, especially during childhood, can lead to trauma, right? And, you know, unfortunately, it also leads to or can lead to the development of neural networks that are focused on trauma, right? And that's where symptoms because become chronic. So when people have chronic anxiety, chronic panic, symptoms, um, chronic worry, uh, you know, racing thoughts, things like that. It's because a neural network has been established and it's a lot easier when they're triggered for that network to be reactivated versus the creation of a new one, right? Depression and sadness. Depression, uh, I did a, a podcast about that. Uh, some of the statistics that I came across did not seem accurate to me, but depression has a high prevalence, right? Uh, high incidence in our society, and so do sadness, but usually depression happens after we've tried to deal with the situation in the best way we can, and it hasn't worked out, right? So usually when people present with depression and anxiety, um, usually the anxiety has come first, and they've tried a bunch of different remedies. They've done everything that they can on their end to try to remedy the situation and have come up short. They haven't come up with a solution that, that feels good, and then they get depressed about it. That kind of makes sense, right? The other thing that you want to keep in, in mind is something I brought up earlier is this. Input equals output. So the, the neurotransmitters that you need to feel happy and to feel good 
and to feel wholesome, uh, like serotonin and melatonin and norepinephrine and glutamate and all those neurotransmitters, all those chemicals in your brain that are making processes happen, you've got to have the diet that supports that. So, you know, a lot of people that I see presenting with depressive symptoms, when we talk about their diet, they're not getting, they're not getting the nutrition. And it's just like if you want to build a house out of bricks, if you want to build a brick home, it doesn't matter how many construction workers you have on the site trying to build your home or how many slabs of wood there are. If you want a brick home, you've got to have bricks, right? And those bricks are your diet. So you've got to have your diet. It starts with diet and nutrition. Next, trauma. You know, a lot of times in families, um, you see what's called generational cycles of trauma, right? Things that are just kind of passed out, passed on. Sometimes it's in the form of genes, right? And how we react to things. But other times it's just behavior patterns, uh, what we've observed in other people. And if you're willing to ask for help and stop that, then what you're doing is preventing another generation of, of illness and dysfunction, right? So by being brave, and courageous and asking for help, you're actually saving the next generation, right? Uh, ADD and anxiety, I mean, ADD and ADHD, right? Um, so many people present with issues with concentration, focus, um, attention these days. I think, and you know, it's important to keep in mind that attention, focus, and concentration also require neurotransmitters just like happiness, right? And a lot of times what you'll see is people are more likely to develop ADHD symptoms when they're anxious, when they're stressed out, when they've been using too much technology, or when their diet is deficient. So, you know, some people just have, you know, organically have ADHD. But I think for a lot of people these days, uh, it also could be the case that their anxiety is disrupting their focus and concentration, stresses. The use of technology all the time, right? Um, you know, like clicking on things all the time and, and those types of things. And then also diet. So there are a lot of things. So make sure that when you when you have ADHD symptoms and you want to find out uh, if you've got ADHD or you want help in dealing with the symptoms, consider those something, so those those things, anxiety, stress, technology, and diet. And if you come to my office with ADHD symptoms, we'll come up with a holistic approach to address it and we'll look at all that kind of stuff and, and figure it out. Learning disabilities, school, fitting in, socialization. The most important thing is to observe, right? If you've got a child who's got learning disabilities or seems to have learning disabilities or they struggle on a certain subject or they have trouble fitting in or they don't feel wanted at school, observe pay attention to it, and then get help early on. That's the most important thing. And a lot of people avoid doing that because of shame and they just don't want to interfere and things like that. But if you notice a pattern, if something happens day after day or several days or a couple of weeks in a row or whatever, do something about it. Uh, get help. Uh, communicate with the school. Communicate with the teacher. Communicate with somebody and make it known, right? Don't just let it drag on uh, because the... The earlier that you come up with and find uh, an intervention or a solution, the better your child is going to be off. Um, regularly scheduled programming. I just kind of alluded to this, but I just, uh, when I talked about ADD and ADHD, but I think this is really, really important. Um, and it kind of goes back to the concept of input equals output. Um, the programming, the television, the radio, the music, the movies, interactions with apps on your phone, 
your computer, games that you play, things like that, those inform your thoughts and your feelings. And if you've got the wrong programming <clears throat> coming in on a regular basis, excuse me, then that's what you're going to display and that's what you're going to manifest. So if you want to manifest better circumstances, you've got to make changes to the things that you that you take in, right? Uh, and that means you've got to create boundary, boundaries and make priorities. And you've got to say, well, you know what? There's a part of me that wants to start this new business uh, or go back to school, but there's another part of me that enjoys watching Netflix. Well, you've got a decision to make. <laughs> you've got to decide which one has more priority. Which one's going to get you where you want to get in the future and allow you to you know, retire or take a vacation or save up money or buy a house and things like that? But you've got to make priorities, right? And you do that by setting boundaries. And then last, ask for help, right? And that's especially important when it comes to mental health and wellness issues or illness issues. You want to ask help for help earlier rather than later. Next slide, please. Okay. So let's jump into parenting. So some of the things that I'm going to talk about now, parenting styles, parenting strategies, parenting characteristics, emotional expressions, because that's really important if, if you're a parent, right? And if you're a child in terms of what you're sending back in, in terms of reactions to things, individual differences in personality dynamics, teaching by example versus by words or directions, being willing to ask uh, to admit that you're wrong or that you made a mistake, and then Last of all, asking for help. Next slide, please. Okay, so th this is a uh, this is a lot of the bread and butter uh, that I love to talk about. I have a lot of parents who come to my office asking for help with with parenting strategies and things like that. And if you need additional um, uh, resources for those, reach out to me via email, uh, and I'll send you the list of things, the books that I recommend. Um, from my Amazon list of, of parenting styles and strategies. But let's talk about it, parenting style. So if you wanted to be really didactic about it and black and white about it, you could break it down into two types of parents, right? There's type A, which is the same as type A personality. Those are the people who are performance-driven and structured, and they want everything done in a very specific way, and kind of what I call military-style, militant-style parenting. And then there's other type B you know, personalities, people, and parents, where it's just like, ah, uh, whatever, just, you know, let it go, ride by the seat of your pants, don't take anything too seriously. What I would recommend in terms of parenting styles, if you're a parent, you know, it used to be the case that, you know, when parents would make mistakes, they would go, well, you know, it's not like there's a, a manual for being a parent. Well, today there are, right? That's one of the good things about the modern, the, the age that we live in now is there are those resources, right? There are books on parenting. So get a book. And it doesn't matter if you get a book that's too advanced or too simple. You'll get a sense from the book. And then you can get another book if, if the one that you get is too simple or too advanced. Or you can go in the opposite direction. But be open to learning and changing. And get a book on parenting. Get a manual. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, obviously... You know, you could get something like the Idiot's Guide to Parenting or Parenting for Dummies or something like that, which actually might surprise you and have some practical tips. But, you know, there are a lot of books by therapists, psychologists, life coaches, psychiatrists out there that provide a bunch of strategies and styles for being a, a good parent today, right? Parenting strategies, corporal punishment, uh, reward systems. Um, again, I would recommend that you get a good resource for that. Um you know, 
I'm not a big fan of corporal punishment. I don't think it's a good strategy because for a couple of different reasons, and I'll go into those. But number one, I don't think it works. I think in a sense, corporal punishment just kind of, to especially to a child's brain, just kind of says, well, because I'm bigger and older than you, I can discipline you, right? Um, and in terms of the lesson that a child learns from something, some parts of the brain are ahead of others, right? And so... If, if if an adult was punished with, with physical punishment, right, uh, maybe they've got the neural network in place to kind of learn the reason why and change it in the future. But that may not be the, the, the case with, with children. And I'll go um, a little bit more into the issue of corporal punishment um, in another slide. But basically, I think that you get a lot more by rewarding the positive things rather than by punishing the negative things. So that brings me back to the next thing, encouragement versus criticism and ridicule. You get a lot more by encouraging a good behavior versus criticizing and ridiculing uh, a, a, a not so good behavior, right? I think you get more by prompting and encouraging a child and the positive things that they do, rewarding those versus punishing them for the, for the other, the things that they do that aren't necessarily as functional, right? So use incentives, rewards, and behavioral reinforcers to help your child and then explain it to them. You know, I think that's one of the most important things. Have a conversation. Um, and I'll go into this a little bit later, but have a conversation. If, if a child does something wrong, have a conversation about it. Well, you know, why did you do this? And kind of get a, a sense or understand the decision-making process or the lack thereof. It could be that they didn't use a decision process, but use that approach rather than you know, just kind of blaming and, and punishing. I think that you get a lot more for your buck by doing that. Uh, parenting characteristics, and that is important in terms of insight and objectivity. And one of the things I'll just kind of mention about that is it's hard or impossible, I would argue, to be objective as a parent because it's your child. So how could you be objective? Now, a teacher might be a little bit more objective. A professional like a therapist a psychiatrist, a coach, a life coach, etc. They might be more objective about it, but it's difficult for you to be objective as a parent. Um, so you want to kind of have some insights into that, right? But you definitely want to learn from experience and learn from past events. Emotional expressions lashing out versus inner self. That's just the concept of this. A lot of times when children lash out or even when adults lash out, it's the behavior speaking, not the person, right? The person carries it out, but what somebody's emotional expression is, is not necessarily them, right? And they're doing that to get something, to get a reaction, to get an effect, things like that. And so just keep that in mind. Uh, it's really important, especially with children, to realize that a lot of times when somebody lashes out, when a child lashes out, they're saying, I need something, right? It comes off as, as you know, something negative or mean or angry, but they're basically saying, I need something. And you're going to get much better results if you address the need that's underlying the anger or the expression or whatever was done that shouldn't have been done rather than the need that underlies it, right? Individual differences in personality dynamics make a big difference. So, you know, you know, if you talk about a child, regardless of whether they're with their natural born family or with their, with their adoptive family, everybody's different. We all have different personalities, uh, and, and personality dynamics. So just realize that your child's personality is, is probably different from yours. Now, it may be similar to yours in some ways, 
but it's probably different in a lot of ways too. And don't necessarily act, don't expect that your child's going to have the same personality that you have. You know, they're an individual. They've got unique experiences that are uniquely different from yours. And just keep in mind that their personality is going to be different from yours. Teach by example, right? Do the right thing, uh, but also display that, right? So, you know, that brings in the concept of do as I do versus do what I say. Um, try to lead by example. Try to show what your child should do, right? I love that way that phrase comes off. Try to show or illustrate what you want your child to do, right? Be willing to admit that you're wrong, that you made a mistake, right? If you want your kid to be able to be willing to admit that they made a mistake or that they did something wrong, instead of lying about it, make sure that you're willing to do the same thing because they're going to mimic your behavior. They're going to copy and duplicate whatever you do. And so if they don't see you admitting that you're wrong or that you made a mistake, they're probably going to not be willing to do it too. And instead, they're going to choose lying or some other type of behavior, right? Um, and then, you know, last, ask for help. Next slide, please. Okay, so family dynamics and cohesion strategies, uh, activity-driven, create and define your family, create values, beliefs, and principles, redefine your priorities, lead by example, flexibility is key, and then make family fun. Next slide, please. So this is one of my favorite slides. Um, and one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite slides is this. Families don't just automatically happen, right? Things happen to make a family a family. Uh, and values and beliefs and principles don't automatically happen. We form them from the things around us. So be really, really, really deliberate in defining your family. Define what kind of family you have or the type of family that you want to have and communicate that, right? We're the family that loves, or we the, we're the family that cares. We're the family that shares. We're the family that's fun, right? I mean, when you think about neighborhoods, there are families that have different kind of, you know, things that are associated with them. And people drive through the neighborhood and they go, well, you know, those are the mean people. or Those are the people who keep to themselves. These are the people who are fun and they arrange stuff and they have backyard barbecues. Everybody loves them, things like that. So communicate what kind of family that you want and let everybody know and share in that and create that vision um, of the family. Be really deliberate about your core family values. You know, if you value determination, make sure that your child knows that, right? If you value propensity, make sure your child knows that. If you value persistence, make sure that everybody in your family knows that, you know, and beliefs, like for instance, the belief that you can achieve anything, you know, share that, right? Share those values, beliefs, and principles and create them if they're not already there. And the key is collaboration. Collaborate and share those. Uh, and you might be surprised. Your kids might actually come up with some values and principles and beliefs that you haven't thought of that are going to benefit your family. Uh, redefine your priorities as times and circumstances change. And here, compromise is key and flexibility is required, right? Times change. Families change. Kids get older you know, before they used to, you know, play baseball, now they're into, I don't know, soccer, whatever, but your family dynamics are going to change, and what your kids do is going to change, um, and make sure that you are flexible and that you compromise, because if your kids' schedules change or their interests change, then your schedules is going to have to change too, and vice versa, right? If you take a different job, uh, if you move to a different home, 
their their environment or their schedule is going to change. So just be flexible in that, right? Lead by example. Um, lead by your actions instead of just by your words. The words are good, but you want the actions to mirror them. And then also with behaviors versus slogans, right? Slogans can be good, but make sure that the behaviors that you exhibit as a parent, as the guide for your child, mirror that, right? Flexibility is key. Be dynamic. Uh, I did a whole episode about this concept, but dynamic is one of my favorite words because it means stable, strong, and solid, yet flexible at the same time. And that's what you want to be as a parent or as a mentor or as an employee or as a friend or as a spouse or, you know, any of those things, or even as the child of someone else, of your older parents, you want to be stable, strong, and solid, but also flexible, right? Don't sweat the small stuff and focus on the big picture, right? And those two aren't mutually exclusive, right? You can do both. And that's the beauty of the lens of a camera. And that's why movies move us so much because they zoom in and they zoom out. And you get better results in life, whether you're talking about your family or your family dynamics, or you're talking about parenting, if you're able to zoom in and then zoom back out, right? And that's kind of, that's one of the reasons why we have timeouts, right? A timeout for a child or for an adult, I would reg- I would argue that adults need timeouts just as much as children do, or even more so, because we're grown and we can do more damage, right, is that you've got to zoom out. And that's what a timeout is. It's zooming out, right? Somebody zoomed in, they're too emotionally charged, the opposite needs to happen to equalize things. So they need to zoom back out, right? So be able to focus on the big picture, uh, and not sweat the small stuff. You can pay attention to the details, but you don't have to sweat all the small stuff, right? The next thing is big, uh, and people don't say this enough, but make family fun, right? And safe, but make it fun. Have family activities that you do, whether it's playing cards or playing you know, badminton or volleyball in the yard or going to a movie or going bowling or going out to dinner or pizza night or that kind of thing. Make it fun. And change it up, right? This person makes pizza, their homemade pizza on Monday nights. And this person makes their salad on Tuesday nights. And this person, I don't know, makes omelets on Saturday morning or Sunday brunch or whatever. But switch it up and make it fun. You know, um, make family not just like a business about being productive and cohesive, but also make it fun, right? Um, And... Those are the things that you're going to remember when you get older. Uh, you're going to remember the special moments that you had or, the, you know, the night that, you know, little Susie beat everybody in spades or, you know, whatever it is. So make it fun. Make family fun. Right. It's not just all business. Make it fun, too. Right. And I would say the same thing for school. That's the reason why schools have playgrounds. Well, hopefully. I don't, when I was a kid, they had playgrounds. Now, I, I don't know so much. I mean, they do, but... It's different now from when I was a kid, when we had monkey bars and everything else, and you just got hurt and whatever, but make it fun, right? And take it outside. Join with nature. Do something outside. That's going to be good for everybody. And then ask for help if your family needs help, right? A family therapist, a family counselor, um, a marriage counselor, a marriage therapist, uh, a, a, a marriage coach like I provide, right? Life coaching, all those things. Be willing to ask for help. Next slide, please. Okay, so um, uh, let's see here. 
relationships, boundaries, stability, and cohesiveness. Um, right? Um, so this slide right here, um, let's talk a little bit about relationships. So th this is important. Uh, what do healthy and well relationships look like? Uh, and just keep in mind, a family is, is a collection of relationships, right? So the family is really all about relationships, right? Uh, and boundaries, stability, and cohesiveness are important. Um, something I learned about boundaries, avoidance of toxic people and toxic things, relationship rules, what does stability look like, which is something you design, and then asking for help. Next slide, please. Okay. This is one of the busiest slides, so I apologize about this slide. I just wanted to pack as much in, in, into it as I could, but I'll try to breeze through it, right? So what do healthy and well relationships look like? What's the norm? Well, and, and then that begs the question, are most healthy are most relationships healthy? Is health the norm? A lot of health a lot of relationships are not healthy, right? And that brings up the concept of boundaries. Boundaries are so important because they help us to have relationships in a world where other people don't have the same beliefs and values and principles that we do. That's what boundaries are about. So you want to avoid toxic people, toxic environments, toxic relationships and circumstances. And the reason why that's so hard to do is because you've got to put the brakes on your own impulses in order to do that. So boundaries start with you, right? But they're important in terms of maintaining relationships and also preventing people from taking advantage of you, of your energy, of your time, your money, and all that kind of stuff, right? In order to avoid toxic people, toxic relationships, environments, and circumstances, you have to cleanse yourself of your own impulses, right? And then your own reactions, right? Examples of that of, of that are this, you know, like somebody who's had an addiction problem, right? Regardless of what the addiction is. If they get out of rehab or get out of recovery or detox or whatever, and then they go back to their old haunts, right? It's just not going to work out. It's setting up an environment to, to fail, right? Or spending time with people with the same bad habit that you used to have. You've got to change the paradigm. You've got to shift the story. Um, and you've got to make that with your own choices. Relationship rules. Um, I did a podcast, a two-part podcast episode about this just recently. Um, but number one, treat other people how you want to be treated as much as possible, right? So that just means don't harm others. The other one is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And that includes with children, right? If you wouldn't want to be treated a certain way, don't treat your child that way and vice versa, right? That requires boundaries. Boundaries prevent chaos uh, and they bring about order, right? And, you know, part of what you have to do in creating boundaries uh, and exercising boundaries is redefining your relationships with activities and conversations. You have to renegotiate. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't want to do. One of the, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people are not willing to create boundaries is they don't want to renegotiate with people. It's, it's not fun, but you've got to do it. You're going to be better off. Number, uh, the next one, have some things that are non-negotiable, some lines that you shouldn't cross. Uh, I kind of mentioned a little thing about uh, earlier about corporal punishment, but one of the biggest problems with corporal punishment is in terms of self-control, self-restraint, objectivity, reactivity, and emotional state. And the thing is, those things, once people are become out of control or non-restrained or non-objective or reactive or have an emotional state that's angry, it's hard for them to control themselves. And we're not very good at policing ourselves because we don't have objectivity, Right. Um, and then also learn about 
people's love languages and their relationship styles. Everybody doesn't have the same style for a relationship. Everybody doesn't use the same love languages. So be sure that you have a sense of what stability looks like and de design it in your life, right? Be active in your journey. Don't let life kind of define what your experience, what your journey is going to be, right? And you're going to have to practice it over and over with ex uh, consistency and daily habits in order to make it a reality, right? That's going to define your experiences. Next slide, please. So I'm going to go through now some, some just and wrap up with some general life growth, improvement, self-success -success principles, things like that. Um, and a lot of these are the just kind of the principles that I use throughout my practices, whether, regardless of whether somebody comes to me for, you know, business coaching or life coaching or anxiety or depression, I use these principles across all of my practices. And I think they're just general good life principles. And to, they're kind of central to doing life coaching, right? Next slide. Thank you. Okay. So the seesaw principle is just kind of the concept that if you're too much of one way, your solution is to reverse and go the opposite way, right? If your car is going too fast, you could either take your foot off the accelerator or you could apply the brakes, right? But that's what you're doing. When you go too fast or you're too hyped up, you slow things down. The opposite is true. If you are too inactive, you want to become more active, right? So you do the opposite of whatever the thing it is that you're trying to fix, right? Uh, I mentioned about karma. Uh, you do get reap what you sow. That is true. And also about, you know, the categorical imperative and the golden rule, right? Uh, input equals output. So if you put in trash, whether it's talking about your body or your relationship, that's what you're going to get out, you know, and you want to focus on the return on your investment. You want to do things that bring about the best results. You want to have core foundational values, beliefs, and principles, right? And if you rely upon those for spiritual or religious reasons, that's a good thing. That's part of your foundation. You want to have a sense of what your purpose is. And in terms of children, you want them to have a sense of their purpose and their passion as well. Regardless of whatever a kid excels in, they're going to excel more in something that they're passionate about because they're going to explore it and study it and practice it over and over. So it really, really pays to have your or allow your child to explore the purpose and passion that they have versus the one that you want to see them have, right? Uh, you want to design and create a journey, a pathway, right? Um, I use a lot of examples for that. Um, but basically, you want to you want to craft what you want to happen. You don't want life to just kind of roll out. You want to set up the dice or set up the dominoes or the chess pieces in a way that works for you, right? You want to focus on results by using planned strategies and actions. And that basically just kind of means that you can have the best goals or ideas, or dreams, or hopes, but if you if those don't ultimately lead to an action or behavior, then they're kind of wasted energy. You want to take accountability for your actions, your reactions, your beliefs, your performance, and your results, and I'd like to really focus in kind of on reactions, right? Your reactions are the things that you can control. You can't always control what somebody else does, or what a system does, or what the country does, or what the legislature does or what the teachers do or whatever, but you can control what you do, right? And so for the things that you can control, use and exercise that control in a way that you need to. Um, and, you know, those are going to be based off your core functional principles and beliefs and the boundaries that you create to support those, right? Um, you know, and 
at the end of the day, focus on relationships versus things, right? One of the biggest things that I offer people in my practices is the ability to let go. I call it the release technique, right? And that's one of the biggest things that I impart or give or teach every single client who comes to my office is people were kind of built and designed to hold on to things. But if you're built and designed to hold on to things, right? which is why we have DNA. That's what our DNA does. Our DNA holds on to things. That's why we have DNA. Because, because our body, our, our physiology, our everything that makes us human wants to hold on to things. So that means in order to fix things, we got to learn to let things go. And we're not good at that. Uh, the classic example that I use with my clients is this. You could show up at the airport with all your bags packed, right? And you're getting ready to, to, to get your your flight. And somebody comes up to you now. I'll add the preface that you're not supposed to accept bags from any strangers at an airport. But let's just say it's not a stranger. Let's say it's, a, you know, I don't know, a game show host. And somebody tries to hand you $2 million, two, two cases filled with a million dollars each. And they're like, you know, here's, here's, here's some money. Take this. This is going to help you in your journey. And you go, well... You know, that looks good and all, and I could really use $2 million, but, you know, I pack these bags myself. These are my clothes. These are my shoes. These are my heels. These are, <laughs> these are my shorts. I'm not giving them up. Well, you've got to make a choice, right? And generally speaking, in order to grab or get the things that you want, you've got to let go of the stuff that's not serving you, right? And that's going to require you to let some stuff go and release it. Release the toxic stuff. The relationships, the habits, the patterns, you've got to let it go, right? And that brings me to self-care. That's part of what you've got to do as part of your self-care is letting go of the stuff that does not serve you and does not serve your family, right? Because if you hold on to stuff, your kids are going to watch that and they're going to mirror it and they're going to do the same thing. And that's one of the reasons why you see things mirrored throughout a family. So you want to make sure that you learn to let go. Next slide, please. Cool. Cool. So thank you so much for staying with me through this journey. Uh, I'm going to wrap up now. And these are the biggest things that I want to leave you with, right? Um, get the big stuff right, right? And don't sweat all of the, the details, right? Pay attention and be able to zoom in and zoom out, right? From the details to the big picture and back and forth. That's, that's a skill. And you can use that skill. And it's going to help you in business, in life, in parenting, uh, in relationships, in your career and everything else, Right? Stay true to your core values, beliefs, principles, and ethics, ethics, but also be flexible and tolerant, right? Create good habits and practice them. Lead by example, lean on your foundation, lean on your building blocks, right? That's what a foundation is all about, right? All these storms across America um, with houses and being blown over and tornadoes and things like that. That's the reason why a foundation is so important. Uh, next, make it fun and loving. And that's true of your relationships your um, family, your work, make it fun and make it loving. Grow from it, right? And then ask for help if you need it. And the last thing on this slide, um, last bullet point is if the stigma of mental health services doesn't work for you or if it bothers you, then get a life coach or get a mental health coach, but get a life coach. That's one of the great things that I think that's, that's a new invention is life coaching because that way you don't have to worry about that stigma. 
So with that, I would like to wrap things up. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you gained something. I hope you learned something that you didn't know before you got here. There are a lot of ways that you can reach out to me. I think those are presented in the slide here. Um, you know, and they don't all cost money. My podcast is absolutely free. I've got Facebook groups where you get um, um, positive affirmations, motivational quotes, all those kind of things for free daily. There's also a resource page on my uh, first practice website, MLC of Greater Atlanta, and then also on Atlanta Coaching and Hypnotherapy Associates. Whether you have a child or you as an adult experience depression, anxiety, you've got a crisis, anything like that, there are resources there from the state of Georgia and other places that are going to help you. Uh, and with that, I'd like to thank you so much for your time. Dr. David, I do want to take the time to once again thank you for a awesome presentation. I got a lot of takeaways here about mental health, physical health, relationships, parenting. So just a whole wealth of nuggets that we have to take home and to put into practice. So once again, I want to thank you um, for coming today and sharing this wealth of information to our providers, foster parents, um, uh, professionals and so on and so on so thank you very much absolutely if there are any, questions, if any quick questions um this is the time to ask them before we close off for today i'm checking the chat um i don't see any questions i see a lot of thank yous but during the presentation um there was a question um i'll see if i can find that one about um and can you forward it to the next? Okay, there. Great. Can you look? Okay, good. There we go. You guys can, can they get a screenshot of that so they can know how to contact you? Absolutely. And if anybody wants to email me, my email address um, is mlcofgreateratlanta at gmail.com. It's the name of my practice, my first practice. If you email me, I'll answer any questions there. I'll send you any information that you need, that kind of thing. So, um, April, do you see any questions in the chat? I'm checking on my end. No, I was I was scrolling too. I don't. Um, lots of thank yous. Uh, great information. Oh, we like uh, we like thank you. <laughs> you mentioned that there was one question. Um, I can't find it. I no think worries. It was early. It was on. Oh, there's one. Please clarify something. I saw something pop up just then. Oh, okay. Clarissa Edmondson, what inspired you? Uh, do we get a certificate? <laughs> okay. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tell that uh, what inspired me. So a lot of things inspired me. Um, I think from the very beginning, um, even when I was a young child, I knew I wanted to do something in the healing profession. I wasn't sure what it was. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a part of me that wanted to be a doctor or a psychiatrist. There's a part of me that wanted to be an attorney. There's a part of me that wanted to be a minister, right? But the, the one thing that all those things have in common is healing. And I think that there's an episode that I did about this, uh, the two-part episode that I did on self-care and self-love that you should definitely check out on the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast, but the special guest that I had is a local performer here in Atlanta. She's a, a local performer, uh, artist, singer, um, 
social media host. Her name is Phoenix Soul, but she's empathic. She's just one of those people. And we talked about that concept of, of being empathic uh, in that two-part series that you should definitely check out. But some people sense and feel energies from, from other people, right? I, and I think I've just always been that, pe- that person. And when I was younger, I didn't understand it. You know, like, so, you know, I was a fairly, a kind of, kind of a gifted kid, um, a little precocious, things like that. But if there was a kid who was struggling with something, even as a child, I could just feel it. And I didn't know what to do with that energy or with that feeling then. But as I grew, it, I think, imparted into me a drive, uh, kind of a passion and a purpose for healing. So at the end of the day, when people ask me what I do, I could say a lot of things. You know, I'm a life coach. Uh, I provide cognitive behavioral therapies. Uh, I consult in forensic and addiction psychiatry. But at the end of the day, the day I'd like to think that I heal, right? I think that's part, just part of my purpose and passion. That's where I kind of draw things from. And I recommend that everybody be a healer in some way. It doesn't have to pan out as in terms of your career. Uh, but, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, Patrick and therapists and counselors and psychologists and, you know, probably everybody who's listed on the panel today in some ways is a healer. I think there's just an, a feeling that we get that's, intangible. You can't add it up in terms of money that you get from healing. And I think that's why I chose this profession. Great. Thank you again, um, Dr. David. Um, So we are going to close out now. Um, There was a question in regards to certificates. And so what we will be doing is at the closure of this meeting, there is a red circle with the white X at the bottom of your screen. If you click that red button with the X in the middle of it, it will take you to our survey. So survey um, is very helpful for us. It helps us kind of guide our uh, trainings and get more information about how we're doing. So just to be honest with that, then we will take that to heart and we make adjustments that necessary. Once that survey is completed, then that will lead you to your certificate. Now, if you're calling by phone, there's no way to identify who you are. But once uh, you should get a thank you letter um, within the end of the day or by tomorrow, and then at that time, then you'll go ahead and get your uh, certificate at that time. Um, is there anything from the team that want to add to this um, closing before we close out? No. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, again, I want to thank everyone for being present. Thank everyone for being here. Um, Hopefully you got some nuggets that you will use and put into practice uh, within your family, within your profession, and be a healer, as Dr. Davis says. So we all have the propensity to do that, but let's use that ability to do it. Again, thanks, everyone, for coming, and have a good night now. Thank you so much. Take care. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. David. Thank you.